Open your Bible, if you will, please, the book of 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. Find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment and get right in the message from the Word of God. Every time I hear the song saying that they just sung, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. There are two or three stories behind that song, and I don't know the accurate, exact accuracy of which one's right. But I heard Dr. David Gibbs tell it this way, and I'm not going into detail. But there was a young boy with a beautiful voice up in Toronto, Canada, raised in a broken home. And uh, somebody got a recording of his voice, and it got out to some of the big times in the music world. And so they came in there, and they wanted to hire his voice. Wanted him to sign a contract. And if he did, then that meant he could only sing where they want him to, where they permitted him to. And uh, so they... He told them, so well, I got to pray about it. And they told him, so pray whatever you want to do. We're leaving tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Contract or no contract, it's up to you. You can stay in this dilapidated house or you can have a good contract and some money. In their devotion that night, they read 1 John chapter number 2. If you're familiar with the Bible, that's the verse that says down about verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that rend the world. For all, the thing, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They're not of the Father, they're of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. They finished devotion, had prayer, and he said to his mother, I'm going upstairs and pray before I go to bed about that contract. As he started up the stairs, she hollered at him and said, George, remember, all they're offering you is things. And he went up there and interrupted his own prayer and wrote it down. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. I love that story. I love that thought. And we know him for all them years as George Beverly Shea. Lived to be over 100. And what a voice he had to bellow out. Can I use that word? Don't mean it critical. Just bellow out that song. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. Well, if you have your Bible open, let's stand together, please. Good to see all of you in the service tonight. Let's really pray the Lord will bless and have His way, and God's will will be done. I do want to just say this. I hope you will join me, and let's take this service tonight very serious. As serious as we'd want to take the last meeting we'll ever get to be in. I want God to do something. God wants to do something. And I want you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let God speak to you and work in your life in the service tonight. Very familiar scripture. I've preached this all over the country. But God stirred my heart again last night even as I was preaching and then today in the study. Preacher knows what I'm talking about. Boy, I like to preach, Brother Cofield, when there's not but one message in the Bible. I know we've got 66 books, but boy, when you get... Uh, where you're hitting the nail on the head, they just won. Amen. And that's the way I've been all day. I've looked at two or three other things and just nothing seemed to stir my soul. So look at your Bible, please. First Kings chapter 17 and verse number one, the Bible said, And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel is before whom I stand, there shall be, the dew, be neither, there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. 
It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. There came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no, had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath. When it came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as he was going to fetch it, as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord God, thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and for my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer, then the study from the word of God for this evening. Our precious Heavenly Father, again, dear Lord, tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bow before you in prayer. Father, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. Lord, I want to thank you one more time for the wonderful privilege, dear Lord, that's mine, to be born in this country, the land of Bibles, the land of churches, the land of Christians, the land of preachers. Lord, all of my, all of my life I've had access to the house of God, to men of God, the people of God and to the word of God. Lord, I'm no better than no one else but that, but thank you, dear Lord, through that channel. I heard the gospel while I was young. Lord, I was saved while I was young. I was called to preach while I was young. I've had the wonderful privilege, Lord, of spending my entire adult life in the service of the Lord. Father, with all of my heart, I want to say thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon me. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll make each of us conscious that the multitudes around the world, if we just heard tonight from these two presentations, cannot make those statements. Many, dear Lord, have no Bible to read. They have no church to attend. They have no preacher to preach to them. And dear Lord, you know their need and their condition. I pray, Lord, that you'll move. Help us who have the gospel to realize what an awesome responsibility it is to own a Bible and to have the gospel in our hands and Lord, then to have the blood of others on our hands if we do not get the gospel to them. Help us, dear Lord, now to help your people. You help us all with the word of God this evening and save the unsaved. I'll praise you for all that you do because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. 
Do keep your Bible open, please, to see them with the message for tonight from the Word of God. I thought a moment ago, as Brother Stanley was mentioning about Nineveh, and, uh, you know, we know Nineveh's a wicked city, and I'm not contradicting that at all. But you know, in the Bible, it's never called a wicked city. Four times it's called a great city. And I use this, God show me, so I'm not striking, please. I call it wicked. It is wicked because of that. But you know what it was? It was really a waiting city. Nineveh had no church. They had no preacher. They had no Sunday school class. They had no tent revival. They had no gospel radio. They had no Bible. They had no tracts. But they were a typical unsaved city waiting for the preacher to get there. Amen? And there's a lot of Ninevehs around the world tonight It's just waiting for somebody like this couple, our brother here, bring the gospel to them. I've read you a very familiar passage passage of Scripture, uh, but I'm going to preach tonight very seriously. I want you to let God speak to your heart. I thought about this, I don't know, several months, even some years ago, Brother Cofield, and I've weighed out what I'm fixing to say. It's not a light statement. I'm not just running my mouth when I make this statement. If I had one statement to make to you, I would never speak to you again until I meet you at the judgment seat of Christ. You know what I'd like to say to you? I would like to say to you, learn to obey every small detail of God's leadership on your life. You will never go astray. You'll never go wrong by obeying God's leadership. Whether small things as we might think are great things, learn to obey God. I was in a motel room up in Indianapolis. I had preached on through Friday night, we had nothing to do on Saturday. I was preaching Sunday morning, then coming home. And uh, Saturday away from home, or any day away from home and nothing to do can be a terribly lonely day. I mean, ladies, you don't understand this, but you can only stand so much at Walmart. I purposed in my heart I was going to read late. I was in the motel room with myself. I was reading Roy Hess's book on my Calvary Road. So I, I looked at it, Brother Kofi, and I thought, I'm going to finish this thing. Go to bed late and sleep late. That's a good Saturday morning thing, isn't it? Sleep late. Well, I finished the book about 2 o'clock, had devotions, and then went to bed. And, uh, but at 6 o'clock the next morning, God woke me up after about four hours of sleep with, with Elisha burning in my soul. And he connected two passages of Scripture I'd never heard connected before. But they were burning my soul. And preacher, you understand what I'm talking about. It was not one of those things where you want to just turn them and go back to sleep because you knew God was doing something. So I got out of bed, got me a pencil and a piece of paper and started writing. And I wrote down three outlines before I ever got a shower or, or done anything that morning from the story of Elijah. I came on back to Knoxville, Tennessee and started a meeting on Monday night. And there in that meeting, I preached five nights on the story of Elijah. Forgive a long introduction but there are five major events or experiences in Elijah's life. And I just mentioned them. I'm not going to preach them all. You can relax. So uh, maybe four, but not all five of them, no. But uh, it begins here by the brook experience. Then we have a barrel experience. I read both of them tonight. 
If you're familiar with Bible, chapter 18, we have the blazing experience. The praise of fire down from heaven. Chapter 19, you have the bewildering experience where he crawls up under the juniper tree and prays to die. Chapter 2, verse number 2, chapter 2, rather, of 2 Kings, you have the story of this banishing experience when God took him to heaven. I could call it his blasting off experience. But he left out of here and went up to heaven by the whirlwind there and the chariots of fire as it speaks about. But the one thing that God wrought in my heart is this. Samuel, this is the other scripture God put in there. Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. And I thought about this thought. The story of Elijah would not be worth our reading had Elijah not obeyed God. And in all five of those stories, I'm not going to take time and deal with all of them, but in all five of those, there is a specific emphasis on obeying something. I want to give you the two that I'm dealing with tonight, and I'm not going to preach this, but I'm going to give it to you. You see, in the first experience of the brook, we learn obedience is the key to God's provision. In the second experience, at the barrel, we learn obedience is a key to God's programming. I got to thinking, preacher, what if Elijah had been one hour late? What if the widow woman had been one hour late? Are you with me? But dealing in little detail obedience, minute details, they both got to the right place at the right time and it saved both of them's life. Both of them's life were saved. But I preach many messages from that subject. Obedience is a key to the power of God. Obedience is a key to get your prayers answered. Obedience is a key to do a lot of things in the work of God. But I'm preaching tonight this mission meeting on obedience the key to God's provision. Can I make a statement tonight just plain out, open, factual, straightforward? If you want God to provide mission money through you, the secret is obedience. Do what God tells you to do. Do not put down a finger on the card to impress ever who counts the cards. Nobody's going to have your name on it anyway, so it doesn't matter. You're not going to impress nobody by it. Don't try to match someone else, but do what God says. Do obedience, the secret to God's provision. I want to deal with three things in the story here. I'm going to use the same outline, and this is a simple pastor that Brother Jason could preach it. Amen. <laughs> Jason, you just happen to be there. I need somebody to pick on there. But here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at his orders, his obedience, and the outcome. The orders, the obedience, and the outcome. Now, please hear what I'm fixing to say. I do not know the value of the statement I'm about to make to someone tonight. God's not looking for suggestions. He's not seeking information. God's looking and seeking for obedience. Obedience. 
Now, in this obedience, there are three things that I want you to look at in this, in the orders that's given. Look at verse number two, the Bible said, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. There shall be them, thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, three things. Look at me just a moment. First of all, there's a proclamation. God said, get thee hence. Turn thee eastward and hide thyself. You know what went through my mind when I first saw that? What in the world's that got to do with getting saved in a time of famine? What's so significant? What's so important about that? Can I tell you? God said it. And if God said it, I don't care whether it looks big or small or right or wrong. If God said it, it's worth our listening to and obedience. So God said, get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself in the proclamation. Then notice the second thing. There's not only a proclamation. There's a place. God said, I want you to hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. God said there's a place over there in the mountains of Judea where the stream comes down through the hillside there that's known as the brook Cherith, emptying into the Jordan River. And God said there's a place there that I want you to get. And if you get there, I've already commanded the ravens to feed you. Can I say this tonight? There is a very important Lesson for us to learn in getting there. I'm not just talking about missionaries on foreign fields, but in the will of God for your life, there is a there for every person here. Now, no doubt in our mind, our brother, I won't try to call that last name out, but our brother has found his there to be back in Hungary. Brother Stanley's found his there, he and his wife, and their there is in Spain. Brother John has found his there in Ghana. Brother Cofield found his there in Dalton, Georgia. Now, those are all geographically. You know what? For some of you, the will of God for the rest of your life, your there is here. Right here in Whitfield Baptist Church. Brother Cofield, it's an honest fact. We all know the majority of your people are not going to be called to the foreign mission field. The majority of the people in this church are not going to be called out to pastor or out to evangelism. The will of God is for most of them, you're there, is here, right here, where God placed you in this local church. But I learned something. Look at me. There's a real easy way to change here to there. Look at the word here in your mind. H-E-R-E, you got it? All right, look at me just a moment. All you've got to do is put the cross in front of it. Take up your cross and follow the Lord, and right here becomes your there. God literally said to Elijah, I like this. Can I say it this way? He said, I'm changing your address. From now on, your mail will be delivered at post office box T-H-E-R-E. And if you get there, the mail will run. If you don't get there, the mail will run, but you'll miss it. Can I just ask you, is your mail still being delivered from God? Or 
or maybe you are at the wrong place in your spiritual life. I'm not talking about geographically changing. I'm talking about your spiritual life. But God has a there, not somewhere, not anywhere, not nowhere, but somewhere God's got a place, a plan, a purpose for your life. And the greatest thing you can do is find that, get in it, and function in it for the glory of God. I want you to notice not only there is the proclamation, there is the place. But it's about shouting time for me right now, but there is a promise. I want you to look at your Bible. I'm telling you, I'm ashamed to admit this, Pastor, but I don't know how many years I preached this before I caught this simple statement I'm about to make. God said, look at me. You know the story. Look up here at me just a minute. God said, I have commanded the ravens. Now wait a minute. I have commanded. Does anybody know anything about the tense of verbs? God didn't say, I'm going to command the ravens. Or when you get started, I'll hunt them up and tell them. God said, I done went and done it. Now here's what makes me want to run down the building. Before God ever issues orders, <laughs> Woo! before God ever issues orders, God <laughs> has already rolled out the ticket and got everything needed for the journey ready and waiting. You see, I love the story of Abraham and Isaac going up that mountain to Moriah to offer him up. One of my dear friends who as older preacher than I am, and that's got to be old, but he's nearing the end of the journey. But as a young man, he preached and acted out things, Brother Cofield. And, and uh, he said, I can just see God. He said, Abraham and Isaac going up one side of the mountain. He said, God goes over here in the middle. He punches a goat in the rib said, you need to climb that mountain, boy. You see, if that goat had been late, poor old Isaac would have died. So God may have had to go to the time or two to get it on up the hill. Then they named that place Jehovah Yireh. And I don't mean this to say anything out of the way, but I hope you'll at least listen to what I'm saying. The scripture said that the Lord is provide. But that is a compound word. It not only means God is a God of provision, but He's a God of prevision. What do I mean by that? He sees the need before the need arises. So he can have it ready and waiting when you get there. Brother Stan, I just thought of this. I was in a meeting some time ago, and a young man had just started on deputation. Maybe he probably was not a fourth of the way with his support. And they were asking how much support he had, and he said, I've got 100%. Everybody looked at him, he said, God's got it. I just got to get up there and pick it up. Amen. God's got it. God's got it. But God always, I wish I could emphasize this. Listen, listen. Let me just talk about it. If God told you to give $100 a week to missions, you don't have to worry about where it's coming from. That's God's business. If God told you to double that. The only thing it will take to get that money that God wants you to put in is you obey 
God. Do what God says. Again, he doesn't look for suggestions. He does not look for information. Just obedience. Do what God says. Now look at the second part of our study. Not only there's the orders, but there is the obedience. Look at verse number five. I don't know anywhere in the world you could go and find a better definition of obedience than verse number five. The Bible said, so he went and did, according to the word of the Lord. I love the expressions, Brother Cofield, and you're learning some of this now. You travel across the country. Different places have different expressions. If you were to go to Kentucky, they'd say he took and went and done it. <laughs> he done went and done it. Elijah arose and went. You know what that means? He packed up his duds, headed east, crossed the Jordan River, probably headed north, and come to the brook Cherith. Found the place. I know God didn't write it on a tree, but you know, he come to that place. Here it is. T-H-E-R-H. Probably cleaned him off a stone, a rock, got him a bottle of water out of the creek, and looked up and said, Supper, Lord. Your obedience. He did what God said do. He never said, God, what's that Raven's license plate number? Did I give a sale number? Well, I want to send him a text and make sure. No, 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 no. He did what God said. Do what the outcome was? God invented the first catering service. But Jason, I believe it was probably called Raving Cuisine. Can you imagine Elijah looking at that bottle of water saying, Supper, Lord, I don't know how a raven sounds, I don't know how a crow sounds, so I'm going to substitute a crow for a raven in a moment. But all of a sudden, he heard a cow, cow, cow. And it flew in and dropped him bread and fish. I was preaching over in South Carolina, and the pastor took me down to a place where they sold quite a good variety of old Christian books. I'm talking about 100 years or more older. They're in that area of the, of the state of South Carolina. And I went down there, preacher. I'm going through some old books, and I come across one that's got a red duct tape tucked on the back of it there, handwritten, it said Elijah, and I opened it up, and it's written in the late 1800s. I thought it's got to be good to survive that long, so I, I bought it. It was not very expensive. I bought it. I went back to the motel room, and you know how it is with books. You can't read all that stuff up front. You've got to get over here in the good part. Now, I turned over and started reading about this story about Elijah at the brook here, and uh, he made a couple of statements I like, and maybe more than that, and then he said something that really provoked me to thinking. He said, now, this is a vulture, a meat-eating vulture. So there's a good possibility, he said, the Bible doesn't say this fish was, this meat was cooked. So he said that, Bowser, that raven, could have just been flying over Elijah's campsite and accidentally dropped a piece of meat. Well, I was about as quiet as you are right now. I'm thinking. Then I thought, if God wants to let his preacher have a cookout down on the creek bank, nobody's business. But then I thought about this. Watch me. I can see, Brother Tommy, I can see that raven carrying that uncooked meat. But that old bird's going to have a hard time carrying uncooked cornbread. 
I believe it's cooked just like he liked it and had Worcestershire sauce on it, amen? But I'm telling you, he had it ready for him. But I'm saying to you that the outcome was God sent him bread and flesh. By the way, now look at me just a minute. I got to move. Y'all tying me down here too. Look at me just a minute. Can you imagine what the devil's saying? You know now that's an accident. You don't think that'll happen again tomorrow? You really believe God will do that again for you? You think God's going to employ that raven for the entire time of the famine? Gets up the next morning, goes down to the creek, gets his water out and said, Breakfast, Lord. Morning and evening. Somebody said, you'll like this too, Brother Jason. Somebody said, God programmed the computer on that bird. Pick up and deliver it. Pick up and deliver it. What's God trying to teach us here? God's trying to teach us. I'm using a word I hope doesn't bother you. But he's sovereign. He's in control. He knew he's in control of the bird. He's in control of the bread. He's in control of the brook. He's in control of the beef. He knows. He knows. He knows. This story I've just told you was great success for Elijah, life-saving for Elijah, and valuable for you and I because it's totally hinged upon my text tonight. Obedience, the key to God's provision. Let's move on to story number two quickly. In verse number 9, we see the Bible said, Verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Seraphath, which, dwelleth, which, is, uh, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. Likewise, the same outline. Look at me. Three things. There's orders. You, you know the story, so if you will look at me, please. First of all, there's a proclamation. He said, Arise, get, and dwell. What in the world's that got to do? He's leaving a brook where he's been fed all this time. And now headed up to a widow woman's house. But there's not only a, the orders, there's not only the proclamation, but second, there's a place. Look at your Bible now. The Bible said in verse 9, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, in the, which, which belongs to Zod and dwell there. He said, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Notice something. <laughs> Look at this just a moment. Look at me. God said, I want you to go to Zarephath, and I'm going to let you keep the same address. T-H-E-R-E-S. But look at this preacher. He said, if you get there, Elijah, that widow woman's going to get there. When we get where God wants us to be, God will bring somebody else into the picture, and both of us together enjoy there. So there's a proclamation, there's a place. But then number three, there's a promise. I have commanded. Did you notice those verb tense? Not I'm going to, not I'll try to have it. God has never issued orders and said, go home and give me 30 days to figure out how I'm going to take care of it. When God places the order, can I say it this way, the check's in the mail or in the bank or whatever you want me to say. But God said to Elijah, you go, you dwell there, and he said, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain there. Elijah, I've got everything planned and paid for. 
expense paid if you'll get there. That ought to be enough to make a good Baptist have a shout and shout. If you'll get there, everything. Now we look at the orders and look at the obedience in verse number 10. Here it is again. The Bible said, so he arose and went to Zarephath. Here's his obedience now. You know what his obedience was? He packed up his bags, came back across the Jordan River, headed north out the kingdom of Israel there, and went up to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon. And I want you to watch this. I want to just drop one little hint. The programming, the timing. I made a statement earlier. I want to make it again. What if Elijah had been one hour late or one hour early? What if the widow woman had been one hour late? One hour early. Let me show you something. I wish I could jump up on that pulpit and sit there. I would, but I'm not going to try it. God setting up our brother Kofi looking down, and he sees Elijah come back around the hillside and across the creek and up through there, you know. And he tells him how fast to walk. He go. He puts his cruise control on him, you know, speed it up, slow it down. And this widow woman, as living down here in town, by the way, we'll send him in. She's not a Christian. She's not a Jew. She's a heathen. But God come by and told her to feed the man of God. And she agreed to do it. You know why she agreed to do it? Dead women don't cook bread. If she's going to feed the preacher, she's going to live through the famine. Amen? So it's her assurance, life assurance. She's sitting down in town, down to house. She's dug in that meal barrel. No doubt when the God came and spoke to her, there was plenty of meal there. But now then she's down her fingernails touched the bottom. Now then she's tilted it over and she's got about one handful of meal left. I don't think I'm unreasonable to say any mother would say, let's extend this a little bit. Let's wait till tomorrow. Let's postpone this meal. She don't know God's in a hundred miles of her. But God knows where he's at. And all of a sudden, she has a thought. She thinks it's a thought. God put the thought in her thinker. Why wait? And God knew how to bring her from inside the city as he's bringing Elijah from outside the city. And guess what? They just happened to me. Oh, shut up. You see what I'm trying to say to you? The timing element. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the key. Now, you know what the rest of the story is? There's the orders. He said, rise, go to Zarephath. There's the obedience. He went and done it. There's the outcome. She feeds him and sustains him through the rest of the famine. Everybody with me? But there's another story that's not often mentioned I want to look at. Let's look at this woman for just a moment and apply the same three thoughts. Her orders, her obedience, and her outcome. Look at your Bible, if you will, please, in verse number 10. The Bible said he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering her sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in the vessel that I may drink. Now look at me just a moment. In that part of the country, dry, arid, there are some public places of watering. There's Elijah Springs, there's Jacob's Well. You remember Nehemiah did a conduit there and other places. 
But the majority of the time traveling, it was not that way. So it was not unusual for somebody to come up to somebody's front yard and just holler out and ask publicly for a drink of water. But wait a minute. They're in a famine. Famine means dry, drought. Water could have been more precious than food at this time. The pastor, when he asked for water, automatic response, she just took off to get him some. And I hear Elijah in my own mind saying, ma'am, ma'am, wait a minute. Hey, ma'am. Yes, sir, what is he? While you're getting that water, bring me a piece of bread. But Lamar, then something clicked. A Jew asking a Gentile for a piece of bread. Can you imagine the thought goes through this woman's mind? Reckon this is him? Think that's him? And God has a way of connecting the right people. Amen? God has a way of doing it. So in verse number 12, I take this really to be a rebuke from her to him. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks and I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. One statement of observation I'm going to read on. I believe she's saying to Elijah, your God come by here and told me to feed you. I told him I would. But you got here too late, boy. I'm down to the last handful of meal and I'm not about to take this last piece of bread from my dying son. And give it to you. And most of us would understand that kind of reasoning. I'm a father, grandfather, I understand that. But look at her orders now in verse number 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Don't worry about it, ma'am. Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, and make me there of a, a little cake first. After, make for thee. And thy son. Look at me just a moment. He's saying to her, go ahead, on, go ahead and go in the kitchen. Go ahead and cook that piece of bread. But instead of giving it to your son, bring me the first piece. Then after that, go back in the kitchen and make for you and your son. Well, she doesn't really have a lot of choice. She can obey what God told her to do, and she can obey what the man of God told her to do, and she can live. Or she can keep that last piece of bread and eat it with her son and die. That's not a hard choice to make, is it? You know, I mean, if she's going to die, she's going to die. So it'd be better if you die obeying God than die disobeying God. So she goes in the kitchen. Her intent, her mind is made up. She's going to take that piece of bread, cook it, take it to the man of God. I've tried to imagine, Pastor, the mental battle that would have gone on in her mind. The devil said, you crazy woman, you're not going to take that bread away from your kids and give it to that missionary, I mean that preacher. Think of yourself. Think of your son. But you know what else she's thinking? God told me to feed this man through Again, can I emphasize, if she's going to feed the preacher through the family, she's going to live herself. And being a mama, she knows if she lives, her son lives. 
to make sure. And then she got something else comes to her mind. She said, you know, the man of God said, go make me one first. I want to tell you something. If you forget everything else I said tonight, don't forget this. Anytime God mentions first, they're going to be seconds. They're going to be thirds. They're going to be fourths. Are you with me? God can count further than one. Amen. God can get better than a thousand. But she said, go ahead and make me one first. And so she makes it. And she goes in there, maybe nervous, but she serves the preacher. He said, now go in there and fix for you and your son. She goes back in there and gets the meal barrel, empties it out, gets the oil barrel, stirs it up, empties the oil barrel in there, oil bottle, stirs it up. And I don't have time to build a fire, so I'm going to turn the grill on. Watch me. Hey, there's one I thought there was. She pours out one, two. Everybody following me? Mother, son, son, mother. Night comes. Elijah goes to the prophet's room. The son goes to his bedroom. I, I can't preach with your imagination. I have to use my own. But, but Kofi, I don't know what that woman done that night. But when I got the pastor preacher up in the preacher's room and the baby and the boy and the boy, I'd have sneaked back in that kitchen and looked in that meal barrel to see if there's any meal in the barrel. I don't know if she done that, but if she did, there was no meal there. You see why? It's not breakfast time yet. Now she goes to bed and tries to go to sleep, wondering, will God, will God, will God. Tell you, she didn't have to have a rooster to wake her up no more. She probably woke the roosters up. Sneaks in the kitchen, looks, and, hey, 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 It's that. More than I thought it was. Watch me. She stirs it up, fixes it up. One, two, three of them. Everybody with me? The man of God, her son, and her. Same thing that evening for supper. The next morning, the next evening. The two stories I've dealt with tonight covers a period of three years or more. Nobody died. Are you ready to make the next statement? It didn't cost anybody anything. Faith promise given does not cost. It pays. Or oh, there are times when we may be sacrificing right now, but down the road, when God balances his books, you'll find out it didn't cost you to be obedient to God. No. What is the outcome? Verse number 15. The Bible said she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, but according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let me give you just a concluding thought, and I'm through. Look back at verse number 9, if you will, please. The last part of verse number 9, God said to Elijah, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. In my Bible, I have this question written. Look at me. Who sustained who? The widow woman's fixing to eat that last piece of bread and her and her son die. So, the truth is, watch me. She sustained him. He sustained her. But God sustained them both 
because both went and did according to the saying of the word of the Lord. Please listen to this thought. Brother Cofield, 40 years. You've been here, correct? 40 years. Church is 40 years old. Now, I know you're thankful to God for your church. I thank God for the church. And I know if you're a member, you're thankful to God for it. But you know, this church has one major, let me get my word I want to say, has one major purpose of remaining 40 years. It's not to sing. We can sing when we get to heaven. It's not to shout. We can shout when we get to heaven. This woman did not live so she could join the ladies' flower club and decorate the city. She did not live so she could, you know, be something else. But she lived for one purpose. Would you look at this man, Elijah, as being a missionary? Would you look at this woman as being a local church? Her only purpose for existing was to sustain the man of God who bore the message of God to the world. Brother Cofield, I don't have to tell you this. If you want to commit spiritual suicide with Whitfield Baptist Church, stop your missions program. You say, well, boy, them missionaries ought to appreciate us. We support them. Yeah, but you ought to appreciate them for surrendering to go so you can obey God. So watch this and I'm through. This woman could not do what God told her to do until he did what God told him to do. Brother Stanley, how many churches took you on before you surrendered? Any churches take you on before you surrender to go? Nobody, nobody ever sent me a radio offer until I went on radio. You said, why don't you, why don't God do something for me? Give him a chance. How do you give him a chance? Obey God. Man, I wish I was able. I'd like to run. Obey God. Obedience does not cost. It pays in the long run. I told my wife when the Lord gave me this message, preacher, I want to finish right. But I must live aware of the fact that I could fall. I'd rather run scared and not fall than be relaxed and fall. I live aware of the fact. In one hour's time, I could destroy a testimony of 58 years in the ministry. I don't want it to happen. It don't have to happen. And by God's grace, it will not happen. But listen to me. Listen to me. I told my wife, honey, if I finish on the right course, I finished the race that God's given me to run. I know nothing better as an epitaph to put on my tombstone than to put, he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Verse 5, he went and did. Verse 10, he went and did. Verse 15, she went and did. Obedience, the key. Obedience. The key. Learn to respect and obey every small detail 
of God's direction in your life. A musician are coming. If you're not living in obedience to God tonight, the altar's open. I hope you'll come. Find you a place around this altar tonight. Ask God for forgiveness and surrender, Lord. Where you lead me, I'll follow. Won't you will to be done? If you're here tonight, God's dealing with your heart. Please surrender. Please surrender. Please learn to obey God. If you forget everything else I've ever preached to you, learn to obey every small detail of God's leadership on your life. We're standing together, heads bowed, eyes are closed. Father, oh God, thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to preach from this text one more time. Use it to the glory and honor of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, my mind wondered as I sat in my study meditating and praying this afternoon, who would be in this service tonight that the Spirit of God is speaking to them and giving them orders as you gave to Elijah. Arise, get thee hence, turn thee eastward. Whether it be going across the street or across the state or across the sea, wherever, help them realize, dear Lord, that with the orders, there comes provisions. There comes provision. And if we will just simply obey you, Father, you will provide everything that is needed. Do what you want to do and do what needs to be done now in these moments of older call. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.